Welcome everybody. Today's topic is seven considerations when buying a condo as an investment. I've had a lot of experience with condominiums uh, as an investor and also many of my students and clients that I've advised over the years dealt with a lot of HOA legal issues. So I've got quite a bit of uh, experience to draw upon for this discussion. The number one thing you want to look at is why are you buying this condo? Are you buying it for cash flow? Or are you buying it for appreciation? Or are you buying it for both? Or are you buying it for speculation to fix and flip? And based on that, you got to take a look at prices and comps and understand that in any market that is fluctuating up or down, the first thing to drop is generally condos as compared to single-family homes. Single-family homes hold their value a little longer and better than condos do. And when the market comes back, condos tend to be the last thing it comes back. Now, it's just generally speaking, you have to look at um, the particular development, where it's located, the amenities, and so forth, which we'll talk about. But understand that condos can be a little bit of a volatile investment compared to single-family houses, which a lot more demand is there for. So the first thing is, when it comes to looking at comps, you kind of have to ignore the standard protocol. And the standard protocol is you have to look at anything that's been sold within a mile within the last six months that is comparable to your property. Now, sometimes if you look at a comp, it may be in a different development and it may be a half a mile away but an appraiser may use it as a comparable sale because it's newer or more recent than, let's say, something across the hall, which is just like yours, but it was a year ago. Now, for comparable standards, the appraiser is going to use the one down the block. But the reality is the one across the hall is a lot more comparable. Every HOA is different, has different amenities, has different HOA dues, has different location, different age, and so forth. They have a different layout, different common areas. So the most comparable things are the things in the same development or in the same building. If you have a comp across the hall, which is just like yours, a two-bedroom, two-bath, and it's 900 square feet, and it's the same basic layout, but on the other side of the hallway, and was sold a year ago, I would use that comp a lot stronger than I would use something that sold three months ago, half a mile down the road. So you can extrapolate a little bit, maybe look at what is the average appreciation or depreciation in the case of a falling market in the last year in the development, and then adjust accordingly as a comp across the hall and give that some weight. Also, when you're doing comps, understand that comps are in a rear view mirror. Rear view mirror means they're looking at stuff that's sold within the last six months or so. That may be a different time in the market or a different season depending on when you're looking. So for example, if you look at something in March to buy and you're looking at comps from the previous November or December, November and December tend to be poor selling months. So prices may be lower seasonally depending on where your condo is located, of course. Whereas 
looking at things that are currently for sale, which is not the standard appraisal format. It's done in a broker price opinion, but it's not done as an appraisal. But I would think you should look at the broker's price opinion method, not the appraiser's method. I think if you took the standard appraisal form and the standard broker's price opinion form, the BPO form, and had the same person fill both out, the BPO would be more accurate. Because the BPO shows not only what is in the past, but what is currently sitting on the market compared to it, and also gives you the ability to speculate into the future depending on what you plan to do with the property. If you plan on flipping the property, you, what you want to know is not what things sold for six months ago, but what will this sell for when it goes onto the market in two or three months when you're done with the rehab. If you're planning on buying and keeping as a rental long term, it's a different scenario. We're going to look mostly at comps and current properties on the market, and more importantly, what's the rental market look like for the property in question. So the standard appraisal format and with comps and looking in the rearview mirror, I think is not as applicable to condos. And in some sense, when you're looking at houses to flip, you want to look at the same thing too, not what something sold for three months ago to justify your price, but also if you plan on putting it on the market in another couple of months, what is currently on the market price-wise that compares to it and competes with it? Because that's going to affect what you resell it for. Okay, So if prices are dropping and falling, you want to look forward, not just backwards. If prices are flattening, well, same thing. And if prices are appreciating, same thing. You may decide that based on appreciation or based on the fact that you're moving into the summer months, more active participation of buyers, that you may list it for a higher price than something that sold last December. And that might be appropriate depending on your market and depending on what you plan on doing with the property. So that's the first thing you want to look at. Number two, location, location, location. What does this condo have? Now, I say condos are generally not as solid as uh, and stable as an investment of single families, but there are exceptions to that. If it's got a tremendous view, if it's on the water, if it's on a park, if it's on a marina, if it has super convenience, it's located in a great area with lots of shopping and restaurants and bars and so forth, if it's downtown in a hot area, that is all going to change the default uh, analysis of a condominium. And by the way, when I say condominium, Townhomes are condominiums. If there's an HOA development and it's an attached building, it is considered a condominium. Townhome is a style. Condos are generally one floor, and townhomes are generally multiple floors with no one above you, no one below you, but someone to the side of you. So that's just a style of condominium. When I say condo, I mean townhome. I use those universally the same. It's not the same thing as a duplex or half of a duplex. Uh, for our conversation. So a, a duplex side-by-side, side, each side is worth more than a townhome, which might have either two units to a building or four or six or eight, ten units to a building side-by-side. And of course, being on an end unit gives you a little more value. If you're in a condo, being on the top floor with a view it gives you a little more value and so forth. So location, location. Everything changes depending on what you are near. Number three, you want to look at parking and common areas. Now, sometimes there is a garage 
or a carport included, the important thing to find out is, is this something that belongs to the HOA that the unit owner has a license to use, or is it part of the deed to the property? And the only way to know that is to look on the deed to the property, look on a title report, look at the deed to the property. Does it say condominium unit number 41 and parking spot number 12? or uh, garage number four. If it's not on the deed, then what you have is a use, a particular exclusive use of that facility that belongs to the HOA, that is maintained by the HOA as well, but you're subject to more rules because the HOA can change the rules at any time with regard to your parking. Also, in terms of common areas, what's included and what is licensed as well? I'll tell you a perfect story with that. I had a client who bought a condominium that represented it had gym facilities. Well, it turned out a year or two later that the HOA didn't even own that, that they had licensed the use of that from the developer who owned the gym facility as well, but wasn't part of the ownership of the condominium or the condominium association. So he revoked it. He changed the rules. And all of a sudden now, the unit owner didn't have the use of this gym for free. They wanted to charge for it for free that they could offer to a tenant or a new buyer. And that definitely affected the value of the property. So when they talk about use of, of facilities, are they owned by the HOA or are they rented or licensed from a third party? Very important, pool, tennis court, golf access. And typically golf access, the HOA does not own the golf course. It's usually a private golf course or, or a golf course run by a separate entity. So make sure you are aware of that. Number four, HOA solvency. It's very important before you buy a condo to review the financials. And if you don't know what you're looking at, have someone who's experienced at this, such as an accountant, attorney, or other professional that understands HOAs and their financials. So you want to look at their financials for the last two years, their uh, income, expenses, are they over budget, are they under budget? Do they have sufficient reserves to meet the problems that come with HOAs, especially if it's an older development, if it's at least 30 years old, or maybe even older than that, there's a good chance you may need to have to replace a roof or common areas need to be done, outsides of the properties need to be redone, parking lots need to be redone. And if there's no reserve fund in the HOA's financials, you should be concerned. You also want to review the meeting resolutions for the last year or two and the minutes of the meetings of the HOA board to see um, what resolutions have been passed and what things have been discussed about future potential repairs, assessments, or raises and dues, or things that can affect the raises and dues or assessments. And also, who's running this HOA? Sometimes you have an HOA that is run by a board, which is pretty typical, and the board members are homeowners in the development, which is fine. But the bigger HOAs, the more professional, the more solvent ones, are actually operated by an outside management company. And if it is operated by an outside management company, are they licensed to do this in your state? Now, in some states, you don't have to have a license as a broker's license. In some states, you do. Find this out. Who's managing it? What's their story? Are they reputable? Do they know what they're doing? 
or are they just is it just sort of ad hoc and you know one person's the president secretary and treasurer and has all the power so get to know these things who's on maybe go to an upcoming meeting if there is one before you uh, purchase the property or close on the property in between contract and closing very very important to understand this moving on to number five with that with the hoa you want to review what we call the cc and r's cc and r's those are the covenants conditions and restrictions of the condominium so when the condominium was developed there are recorded in public records with the deeds the covenant conditions and restrictions okay so there's an hoa filing with the secretary of state as a nonprofit organization there are covenants and restrictions and bylaws that are recorded with the county which you're entitled to get copies of and review them and make and make sure that those things as well as the continuing rules of the HOA which change all the time they're not necessarily recorded but you can get them from the HOA and look at things like number one rental restrictions are there any restrictions on renting your unit does the HOA want to review and approve the tenant do they want a copy of the lease or do they want the tenant to uh, have a copy of the rules and abide by them uh, very common in places like that are travel like florida where they thought of vacation rentals that were built in the last 10 years where there's a lot of restrictions on rentals um, some of them prevent you if you're planning on doing let's say an airbnb some may prevent you from doing short-term rentals so make sure you know what it is that you're getting into and by the way if you're getting into an, a condo as, as an airbnb you know learn from recent history sometimes situations on the ground can change everything i was really concerned before the covid virus of regulations that would regulate your airbnb out of business so for example if the city that you're in says no more airbnbs in this city or no more than you can't airbnb like in denver they said you can't airbnb anything but your own residence uh, that you're living in that would put your model out of business and the question is can you still rent it long term or sell it for what you bought it for and not lose money and obviously the virus has put a big uh damper on that one because of the fact that no one's going on vacation so vacation rentals are useless at least in the short term might be opportunities to pick up buys if you can you can hold out for a couple months until the vacation market picks up again also in the ccnrs and the rules what is covered for maintenance by the hoa versus what is required of the homeowner i had a run-in with a property management company that was hired to manage an hoa that had a really ad hoc board it was just one person on the board and they didn't have meetings they didn't have resolutions and they hired this for lack of a better word management nazi who decided in his best interest he wanted to change all the locks on all the doors the outside doors of all the units so he had a master key the problem was the hoa rules said that the doors belonged to the homeowner and he needed homeowner's permission so we had a little meeting and we had a coup and i put it in a puppet board and we got rid of the guy <laughs> made a complaint with the real estate commission and they never even followed up but what he did was totally illegal and he knew it and he was an attorney too i should have filed a complaint with the bar anyway um 
you know, these things can happen. So understand the rules of who's responsible for what. If you think you're buying a condo and say, well, I only have to take care of the inside, you may be wrong. You may be wrong. I'll give you another example. I own a townhome where the roof had a claim for hail and the HOA insurance only covered a certain portion of that claim. So the homeowner was not responsible for the roof per se, but there was an assessment issued on every homeowner of $11,000 to cover the shortfall. Luckily, luckily, I called the homeowner's insurance policy holder and they covered it. So you may want to check if you get, by the way, you should definitely get insurance for your your uh, condominium or townhome. When you pay a HOA dues, it typically covers, which I'll talk about in a minute, about coverage in the HOA um, dues. It typically covers insurance for the structure of the building, but doesn't cover with from the walls in. So if you have a leak, if you have a hot water heater explode that floods the units below you and cause all kinds of damage, the HOA insurance will not cover that unless it's a pipe that they were responsible for. Typically, hot water heaters no because it's out. The pipes are outside the wall. The H, the uh, heater, the hot water heater is is within the unit. So typically not. So you should carry separate liability and replacement loss coverage insurance for your condominium or townhome for things like that. The question is, who's responsible? Is it the HOA? If so, you can make a claim to the HOA under their liability insurance versus your liability insurance. So make sure you just know what's covered, what's not. And if you get insurance from an outside insurance company for the interior, make sure you have coverage for things like assessments due to roof hail claims and so forth. Make sure you have coverage for that. Okay. Also, what about things like pets? If you plan on renting it, is there a restriction on pets completely? Are they limited to dogs and cats under 30 pounds? Are they not allowed to defecate on the, the HOA property? You know, you're not allowed to walk dogs on the HOA property. Make sure you know these things. It's very important if you plan on having tenants to know what the rules are. And the rules are always changing, so make sure you, you keep an updated copy. Number six, what does the Homeowners Association monthly dues cover or not cover? Now, typically, things like water and sewer are covered, but sometimes not. Sometimes it's a separate bill, especially in a townhome, which is separately metered. Uh, garbage pickup is typically included. Electric, typically not, but sometimes it is. Heat, typically not, but some older developments have a boiler which heats all the units. Maybe it was an old apartment building that was converted. Some include cable, TV, internet, on occasion, and of course, maintenance of the common areas. So what are the common areas? You have to read under the CCNRs, what is a common area? Where does it end? And where does the unit owner's unit begin? So who's responsible for what? And what the payment is monthly? And what does it cover? What does it not cover? Finally, number seven, you want to look at the merchantability of the HOA for a loan. Merchantability is an expression in the lending industry, whether or not either Fannie, Freddie, or HUD will insure a loan on this condominium or townhome. You have to look at the number of owner-occupied units versus non-owner, i.e. renter units. 
and depending on the type of loan you're getting and these these have been in flux for for the last two or three years it used to be if it was greater than 50 percent renters you couldn't get a loan it was unmerchantable but they've changed that and they've even have temporary rules with with uh, um, with hud and fha so go get the latest um parameters on hud.gov for fha and of course fannie mae and freddie have their own websites so look them up there hud.gov has if you go to hud.gov and search in their their search box uh hoa approval for loans there's actually a database on hud.gov where you can put the address or name of the development and it'll tell you whether it's insured for hud loans for fha because if it's not and you planned on buying it fixing it and selling it to an fha buyer and it doesn't qualify oh that's you that's something you want to know before you close right if it isn't merchantable i wouldn't say don't buy it period there's a price and there are terms at which anything is a bargain so if you could get a one-bedroom condo for 60 grand that rents for 750 a month or 800 a month and the dues are only 200 that's probably not a bad buy if you could pick it up for 40 you know but it depends if the seller is willing to own or carry for 30 years then merchantability is not a big thing you don't have to worry about refinancing your loan or selling it to an owner occupant who goes for an fha or a um or even a va loan you got to take a look at their merchantability rules as well. Okay, so just to review, making sure you understand the seven things that you want to look at when investing in a condo. Uh, number one, look at prices and comps. Understand that the standard protocol is not necessarily in play. Number two, location, location. Number three, parking in common areas. What are you getting? Are you getting ownership or just use? Number four, is the HOA solvent? Do they have reserves? Number five, have you read the CCNRs and the current rules? What is covered by the HOA and what is not under the rules in terms of maintenance? Number six, what does the HOA payment monthly cover and not cover? And number seven, is this condo applicable or townhome applicable for a Fannie, Freddie, FHA, or VA 